It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Gophers, they lose another heartbreaker, this time to Illinois, 27-26. I got Ron Johnson and Kane Robb with me to break it all down, and it's coming up next on today's Locked On Gophers postcast. You are Locked On Golden Gophers Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another Golden Gophers Postcast episode right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Joining me, as always, we got Kane Robb, host of Locked On Gophers Podcast. He's on X, at Gophers Kane Robin. Then, of course, we got the legend, Golfers Hall of Famer, Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show each and every week. Follow him on X if you haven't already. It's at three, Ron Johnson. Fellas, lots to discuss, lots to break down in this one as the Gophers lose to Illinois. They drop to five and four. But before we jump into it, a quick reminder, this episode is brought to us by Game Time. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and use promo code LockdownCollege for $20 off your first purchase. That's LockdownCollege for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time, the best place to buy tickets. All right, here's what was on the line heading in. Gophers kind of heating up, right? Winners of their last two. P.J. Fleck was looking for his 50th win as Gophers head coach. Meanwhile, Brett Bielema, undefeated versus this team with a perfect 9-0 record coming in, looking for his 10th. But, Ron, what a game. If you're like a neutral fan of just the game of football, you sat down, no skin in the game in this one, and just watch this one. It was a lot of back and forth for both teams. Both teams made a lot of big plays throughout this one. Let's just start with your biggest takeaways, though, as you sat and watched the Gophers with the lead. One minute left. They let Illinois drive the length of the field for the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, I mean, we're going to hear a lot of cliche stuff about like it's a team game and not one play made the game and blah, 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 blah. That is very true. But Daniel Jackson made the play to put them ahead. Ethan Kallick, man, has made the throw to put them ahead. So do they get the credit? Yes. Tyler Newbin made the interception to we thought sealed the game, put it away. But then what happened? Ethan Kallick, man, can't make a throw to a tight end seven yards away from him to seal the game and get another first down. Tyler Newbin, and again, we have to look at the whole way the coverage was set, but, you know, in, in that cover two, he's only playing what the coaches tell him to. They play cover two the entire stretch. At some point, maybe go four and allow him to roam in the back or maybe just go umbrella and say, let's make them throw in front of us and let's tackle them. They have no timeouts. Like, they have no timeouts. Why, why keep trying to figure out how to rush this guy? Like, rush three, put eight in coverage, but – my, my takeaway is, yeah, not one play lost his game, but you can look at the plays that you said, if you get, if you make those, you win the game. And I think that's the biggest problem. Other than that, Brett Bilma owns Minnesota. Like he's 10 and 0 versus Minnesota. And this is not one coach. So this is not PJ Fleck. This is not just Jerry Kill, Tracy Clays, or uh, Tim Brewster. Like he's owned Minnesota 10 and freaking 0. And so even that, it's like, at some point, like, again, the, the two-point conversion play, and I'm not going to go too long about all that, but there's a lot to this game. But my main takeaway is 
yeah, it, it is a team game. Not one play lost the game, but one play could have won the game or closed it out towards the end. And you've got to be willing to make that play. And it wasn't made. Yeah, and Kane, same kind of question to start. I mean, they dug themselves in that early hole, fumbling on the opening kickoff. They've struggled a lot early on with the opening drives throughout the entire year, but they fought their way back. They even won the turnover battle by the end, 2-1. to one. In the end, though, the defense, again, despite making so many big plays, just couldn't tighten the screws and clamp down when they needed to make a stop. Yeah, I think it really comes down to adjustments were made too late. You talk about this Illinois team started seven for seven on third downs. That's going to hurt you every time if you can't get off the field. And then like Ron just said, in that last drive, they were in cover two the entire time and didn't adjust. It's like they took too long and those two longs ended up turning into a loss that looked like a win. I think we all three of us thought this game was a win. We were ready to talk about it, ready to celebrate. And then the final two minutes, you let the backup quarterback drive 85 yards and throw a touchdown to their number one receiver, the leading second leading receiver in the big 10 when it comes to yardage. And somehow he beats us up the middle and cover two for a touchdown. Yeah. Hard not to get the same vibes from the Northwestern game when they blew that massive 21 point lead. Now, obviously not the same situation, not the same game, but when we look back at the end of the season, those two games, these two games right here, it, those are the ones that are going to hurt the most, without a doubt. Two games you should have won that ultimately turned from wins into losses. And, Ron, I, you know, I'd say the A topic coming in just minutes before kickoff was, oh, Wisconsin uh, and Michigan State losing, which meant, okay, a win today. The Gophers would be all alone atop the Big Ten West Division. As a former player, is that something you kind of take notice to and pay attention to in a situation like that? Or is it just put your head down, take care of business? Like, does that amp you up a little bit more finding news like that right before kickoff? And I guess how much does this loss hurt the kind of psyche and momentum of this team now? No, you don't need anything to amp you up. Like, you're a football player. You do this for a living. Like, you are going to school for free to play football. You shouldn't need anything. The reason I say that is because teams that are one in five, one in four, still show up and, and find ways to win games. Illinois showing up to Minnesota, everybody thought they were a dead dog at three and five. So it, it doesn't matter what the record is. It doesn't matter what you're playing for. Every game you should be playing to win, regardless of what the situation is. Now, yeah, now do you come out knowing, uh, yeah, if we win this game, we're atop the Big Ten. Uh, do you hear the, the, the chatter? Because you see players posting stuff before kickoff. So you know they have their phones on them uh, during warm-ups. You know, that's the new thing now, headphones and cell phones. And so players are they, – they they're not allowed to like post stuff, but they're definitely looking at their phones, even though they're, you know, maybe just switching the music. That's kind of stuff is being paid attention to. Uh, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't care if, if everybody won, what you want is for it to come down to the wire and you keep winning, they keep winning. And then you face them. Uh, everybody praying for people to lose and all that other stuff. And, and that's the thing. Wisconsin did lose. And that's what's so frustrating about this. Minnesota wins, Wisconsin loses, Iowa wins. Minnesota already beat Iowa. So now your fate is just keep winning the next one. And now it's just another one of those uh, feels like mediocre, you know, mediocre, um, mm -hmm. you know, situations where it's like, oh, OK, they're going to get a bowl game. Um, but, you know, like when, when is that moment going to happen? Because, again, the players are just doing what the coaches put them in. And then the players sometimes aren't making the plays that coaches call. So it goes hand in hand. Like some people are like, oh, we got to call for the coach's job or all oh, we got to do. Like it's both like you got to look at both sides of it and until both click, you know, and that's what happens like Ohio State, it clicks, Michigan, it clicks, Georgia, it clicks. And I think that's what's missing is like that, that both sides to really go. 
and and some of these throws, whether you know Ethan is nervous or you know steps wrong or just you know mentally is just not thinking through through or just his body just you know lets him down. Um, we all know as athletes it happens, and I know that I've been there, so I can't be too hard on them. But at the end of the day, it's like sometimes you just want that play to be made, and it's like you got to make that play. Even the four minute offense is like. What what is what is the situation here? Where is the sense of urgency? Why like it, you should feel like Illinois is gonna shut down, and at no point did Illinois ever feel like they gave up. Even even after a fumble, I'm like that fumble. If the Gophers recover, that is over there, and then you know that doesn't happen, and then you 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 bring in a backup who I didn't even realize was a backup until the second pass, and I'm like, oh, we got this now. It's the backup, and then he carves them. Up. And that's that's like Minnesota sports. Sometimes I feel like it's always like, oh, the backup's done. We got or the backup's in. We got this. And then the backup comes in and and just lights them up. When you look at the Vikings too, that's happened with Cooper Rush and so on and so forth. So yeah, it, it's it's very frustrating. Uh, it sucks two sides of it. as a media member. I just have to be unbiased and, and and report it. As a former player, it it hurts because I've been there and I know what these players are going through. But at the same time, it's like golly, like come on, like just just make the play or just make the call. Like the two, and I go back to that two point conversion. That can't be the best play call. Like that can't be. There's no way you you think. Elijah Spencer throwing the ball to Ethan Callie. Man, this is your best option when you have Daniel Jackson, Brevin Span Ford, Jordan Newbin all on the offense. Like, and then the last play of the game, nothing against Chris Hoffman Bell, but he hasn't been 100%. So why, why is the last play of the game not going to Daniel Jackson? Even that to me was was really like, like, I don't know what the coverage was or were they expecting everybody to run after Daniel Jackson, but he's got to be involved in the last play of the game. Yeah, this one's tough for me and a lot of fans. I can't imagine for a guy like yourself, Ron, who's put blood, sweat, and tears into this program. Kane, I'll let you respond and give your two cents on this kind of missed opportunity because, again, Gophers know they got a chance to sit atop this division all by their lonesome with three games to play. I know that makes it sting a little bit more, doesn't it, with a huge missed opportunity today? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you have the tiebreaker against Iowa, and then you see Wisconsin lose. You see Nebraska lose, who were both kind of in that conversation. The Gophers had the clear opportunity, and it feels like we've been saying that at one point in the season for the last three seasons. But somehow, some way, we always find the way to to fumble that opportunity. And so today, it definitely hurts. Um, I'm curious, uh, the first half, it was great to see how the offense was going. It seemed like there was a balanced approach to the attack. The running game was going. The passing game was going. We got Brevin Span Ford involved in the open field so he could create a little bit. His confidence seemed like it was lifting. And then in the second half, it felt like we didn't have that same approach on the offense. It seemed like we were kind of playing a little bit more conservative, not as conservative as we've seen this team play. But I don't know. It's just like a tale of two halves again. And this one wasn't even the full two halves. It was more so just that final two minutes because we had huge moments. It looked like we won this game. It looked like it was in hand. Tyler Newbin gets his career uh, tying record in interceptions, and it feels like it's a lock. And then all of a sudden, somehow, some way, something goes wrong. Minnesota sports at its finest, but we can't always use that as the excuse. We have to capitalize when the opportunities are there. If these games were 58 minutes instead of 60, Gulfs are seven and two right now, right? <laughs> we're popping champagne. Uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into the nuances here because, Ron, I got to say, there were times throughout this game I thought to myself, 
this is the most impressive. The offense, the passing game has looked at times this year, the way they responded, right? Digging themselves out of leads throughout the game. Cali mm-hmm. Manis putting his marching boots on a few times, getting them back into the game every time they fell behind. And the defense, again, the defense made a lot of big plays, a lot of big splash plays throughout the game as well. So end of the day, Who's this loss on offense, defense, coaching, or is it not that simple? Like it's not if, that simple. If you're Coach Fleck, I guess let me ask you this then. If you're Coach Fleck, what am I preaching or working on the most this week? What's the message now after such a deflating loss? Finish, finish the game. Like they were right there, and that's the thing. Like it's it's got to be that. And then it's not just it's, it's everybody. Everybody like everybody's involved in the wins. Everybody's involved in the losses. Like it's a team game, it's a coaching group. But if I'm PJ Fleck, I'm going to my coaching staff uh, and just asking about what could you have done better. Like, what, if you had to redo the last drive over for for the defense, what would we do differently? If I'm the offense and I have a chance in that two point conversion, what might I do differently? Now, again, if if um, Elijah Spencer comes around the corner and actually just throws the ball, like realizing it's it's a freaking two point conversion. So if even if it gets picked off, who cares? And throws it at Ethan Kelly Manis's body, maybe a little bit more and lower. Um, if he gets knocked down, who cares? It doesn't have to, if he gets picked off, who cares? And so if he makes that throw, then it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, look at this. Like, you got it. I even wonder why he didn't just try to run the ball. And like after you got around the corner, you realize there was a lane. Like, just go put your head down and go get three yards. Um, but if I'm PJ Max and both sets of coaches, like what 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 could we have done better on the last play? Because it's all about finish. You finish. That two-point conversion, maybe we're in overtime right now. Actually, no, because the the, the uh, well, they probably would have kicked the field goal instead of going for two. Mm-hmm. But when when you when you think about that, you know, just going for it in that moment, what what ends up happening? What what ends up going, you know, it through your mind through the whole process? What what do you need to have done uh, to to get to where we need to? Which is two points, and we also just need a stop. Also, the four-minute offense. What could we have done in the four-minute offense, maybe to maybe you know actually convert and get some yards like hitches slants like can we get some basic stuff in this to just really like force illinois to play our game get them out the box because just running the ball um it's too predictable so you know a little bit of that like how do how do we get out of that predictable they know what we're going to do uh status because that's where they're at yeah and kane ron's probably right like it's not as easy as just oh it's the offense or the defense or what what have you but if i made you pick one which phase are you putting a loss on? Because both sides of the ball, again, did have their moments in this one. But if you look at the comments section right now, props if you're joining us right now live, by the way, appreciate all the love and comments and tuning in. But of the 30 comments, 29 of them look like they want PJ Flex head right now. I mean, if I had to pick one, and I don't want to pick one, but if I had to, I would say it was on coaching, but mainly because the adjustments took too long. Like I said, when they start seven for seven on third downs, their first two touchdowns came on third down and goal. Like, we have to be able to adjust and take that step away earlier. Again, when their backup quarterback comes in, we took a timeout when they were on their final play before they got that scoring of the touchdown. But it's like, why don't we call the timeout after they had gone two plays and they're moving the ball and they're running the speed, hurry up offense. And clearly we did not have the personnel package we wanted in there because Nate Becker was our defensive end in that play. That's not a guy you usually see on the field for the Gophers. So mm-hmm. I think overall you, you have to adjust quicker than what we're seeing. And the Gophers in the middle of the game, the second quarter, the third quarter, they made good adjustments. They always come out of the halftime with great adjustments, but it took too long in the key positions, especially on that defensive side of ball, and we ended up paying for it in the end. All right. Well said by both of you. I want to 
ask you guys a little bit more about Cali Manis and just where this team goes from here. But first, I got a quick word from our sponsors over at Game Time. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Game Time because you should never have to worry when buying tickets to any big event. That's why Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event like concerts, comedy shows, sporting events, and even Broadway theater. And with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Personally, for me, I love that view from the seat feature they offer so I can get a real look, an accurate visual on where my seats are going to be so I know exactly what to expect before spending all that money. And with their all-in prices, Game Time shows you exactly how much you're spending with no hidden fees. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and see how easy it is for yourself. Just create an account, use code LOCKDOWNCOLLEGE, for $20 off your first purchase. Again, just create any new account and redeem your code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. It's Game Time. Terms apply. All right, Ron, it's that time of the show. Yep. I want your honest, deep dive assessment on Ethan Kelly Manis. I ask mm-hmm. you every week. I don't know why I'd stop now. And I know a lot doesn't necessarily change, right, from game to game, week to week. Mm-hmm. But, you know, today the stats weren't bad. I just want to know, though, from your opinion, from what you've seen, is this guy the future quarterback, the long-term answer for the Golden Gophers? I mean, yeah, you have to see. When you see the throws, that's the thing. Like, he's made the throws. He's made the big plays. When you see those, you're like, yeah, but it's like, where's the consistency? Like, there were big moments, but 11 for 22, so 50%, 167 yards, three touchdowns, but he didn't turn the ball over, zero interceptions on his part. So that that like that part of it is like, well, can he double that? If they were to give him 44 throws, does he go 22 for 44? Does he get better? Uh, are they giving him easy throws? Or is everything kind of a boom or bust sometimes or it's a deep over? It's never just like a, a quick bubble screen or a quick hitch. When you think about Illinois, Michigan State, the teams, Ohio State, the teams that just run some of the basic routes, I always wonder that. It's like, why, why have so many coaches gone away from how the game started? Hitches and slants. Because at the end of the day, the coverages are the same. If they're playing off, give me the hitch. I'm going to take the hitch. I'm going to take five yards. Maybe my receiver gives me eight. So in that respect, yes, I think Ethan is the answer. I think he is the guy. Um, he just has to be more consistent. Like he's even said that himself. You look at the Iowa game, you look at some of the other games. Uh, there are definitely throws that he w- – I mean, I know he's going to watch that tight end throw. And uh, P.J. Flex said mm-hmm. this to us on the P.J. Flex mm-hmm. show because I, I asked him that very question. I said, um, you know, when Ethan Kelly-Manis leaves these games, uh, what what is your thought process on him? You know, can he be consistent? Does he have an opportunity to get better and be consistent? And P.J. Flex said – if he were to be a guy that would be like, oh, man, I had a great game. Um, I, I guess I, I guess I can get better. I don't see what you guys see. Um, he would be concerned. But he's mm-hmm. the guy that when they say, like, what do you think or what, what, you know, what is your thought on this? He's the first one to kind of say, yeah, like, yep, I didn't step or I didn't turn my shoulder. or Yep, I threw it into the ground. You know, my 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 my, my finish wasn't at the receiver. It was, you know, over here. My eyes were worried about this and not looking at the route like. He's, he's kind of aware of his mistakes, and I think that's the key is that a guy that's aware of his mistakes is willing to fix them. 
Uh, a guy that is not aware of his mistakes does not care to fix them. And so Adrian Calagmanis is willing to fix his mistakes. You know, he wants to get better. You see the running ability. He has it. He just has, he just has to get a little bit more twitchy. And that's going to come with a little bit more workout, a little bit more size, strength, uh, maturity. You know, he's going to mature within his office. This is his first year being a starter. So there's a lot to this that every single situation he's going through is for the first time. And yeah, then he's going to he's going to grow from there. And that's that's the other key. It's tough to think like because we had a consistent Tanner Morgan and now you're dealing with the kid that's up and down. You know, he's like the stock market. And you got to you got to just ride it right now and say, I'm going to buy low because you but we bought in when he wasn't even playing. And now we're going to see what we can sell it at. Yeah, well said. A lot of good points there. And Kane, how about you? I mean, for me, like, again, I was just impressed the way he battled back and drove this offense down the field a couple times early in this game and responded when they were in a big hole. What did you see from him today? And I guess, is he showing you the development, the progression you'd like to see game to game from a young quarterback now that we've seen him start, what, all 15 games now in his career? Right. I definitely see you see the progression happening. Now, I've been trying to talk to fans on Gopher, Locked On Golden Gophers over these last few weeks, saying a lot of people came in with the expectation like he threw for 300 yards against Wisconsin. He's going to do that every game this next season. And that was the wrong mindset. But we've seen him, especially since the bye week, grow week to week to week. And not just in the plays and the throws and whatnot, but the decisions. There were times where there isn't something open and he eats it and he runs for two or three yards as opposed to taking a sack or throwing a bad forced uh, ball where we've seen that before and it gets picked off. He's making smarter decisions to keep the ball. He's getting the ball out in better situations. Now there's still growth that needs to happen. The consistency, like we said, on that play to Nick Callerup on the four minute drive, uh, it was third down. I think he got a little excited. He saw how open it was and he threw it too high. It skied on him and we ended up going three and out on that drive. Those are the ones where he has to hit it. He has to keep that poise. And I think as a younger quarterback, sometimes he's like, oh, it's there. Then he gets a little excited. And that's where things can sky or maybe come out a little bit too hard and it hits the receivers too hard. But you got to think there were also some drops in this game that were costly for the Gophers. And then also, I don't think enough fans have recognized that Johnny Newton made a huge impact when he came in in that second quarter He's or second stud. half, that He's second half. For real, his first drive that he was back on the field, he has a tackle for loss and a sack after they turned it over and we had a red zone opportunity right away. The timing with the offensive line that they were giving Ethan was a lot shorter in the second half than it was in the first half and you could feel his presence there but the Gophers have to find ways to keep him calm I like what Ron said especially about the hitches and getting some of the easier throws going again and why are we always going away from that and having these longer developing plays at all times I think we saw some of the open field passes in that first half where we let our receivers and our tight ends create and that just helps this offense start to flow and juice and gel so hopefully we can take that and add it moving forward but I do think that Ethan still has a ton of pro promise as a quarterback for this team yeah well said and by the way I don't know if you guys saw this Doogie aka Darren Wolfson KSTP tweeted out this morning that the Vikings Lions Raiders Texans Falcons Bills and Jags all had team scouts in person for today's game to watch some potential NFL prospects. Obviously, Tyler Newbin being one of them. Like you just called out, Kane, all those mock drafts out there. They got Illinois nose tackle Johnny Newton as the number one defensive tackle in the country right now. He's as close to a lock first rounder as you can get. But, Ron, when you hear all those teams that showed up to watch this game, 
who else on either side, I guess, but probably Gophers more so, um, do you think has the goods to hear their name called next April? Because you played in the NFL, so you know professional talent when you see it better than most guys. So who looks the part as a potential NFL draft pick on these rosters? Uh, I mean, early on, it's just going to be Tyler Newbin right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I think as they break down the rest of this film, I mean, I think Brevin Spanford has the body type, but uh, I think a little bit this season was a regression for him. Um, and so people are going to like coming in as an All-American and, a, you know, a Mackey Award winner or whatever candidate, blah, blah. Like, I think people were expecting to see more. And today you saw a glimpse of what you should have saw the entire season. And so that's what I think scouts are going to always wonder, like, how consistent can he be? Uh, you know, 6'7", 270 pounds. I think he has the frame of a – not I think. I know he has the frame of an NFL tight end. He can pass, catch, and block. Uh, he's super strong. He's athletic. You know, can jump. Um, so it, it's 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 always concerned me because I've asked this question to the coaches, and they said it's up to Brevin. Um, I just wonder how much of it is Brevin and how much of it is play calling and, and play uh, creating is when they're creating these plays, how much of it goes to, like, Tell Ethan, hey, this is the guy we want to go to on this play X, Y, and Z. Um, but then, you know, is, is Brevin not doing what we know needs to be considered, you know, a top tight end in practice or in games for Ethan to feel like he can go to him every play? Um, but, you know, right now, those are the names that jump off, you know, jump out there. I think Ariante Ursary. I don't know, you know, where he would fall and where we fall as far as offensive linemen, you know, need. But, you know, I think Callahan has proven that he can put offensive linemen in the NFL. You know, Nathan Bow, you know, we don't know about that one. Quinn Carroll probably comes back. Um, And then you look at some of the younger guys like a Daniel Jackson. um, You know, I think that's definitely a guy that, that can hear his name called. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I, I look at like that group there, you know, even like Justin Wally, you know, when you think about Terrell Smith and his impact with the bears, yeah. um, you look at Anton Winfield and what these defensive backs have done over time. I think Justin Wally's another one. Yeah. And as a draft nerd, I will say what Brevin Spanford does have going for him this year in this class is last year's class. The rookies that we're watching now in the NFL mm-hmm. was arguably the best tight end class we've seen in a decade. Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta goes on and on. This year, it seems a little depleted. And from the mock drafts and early research I've done, you still see Brevin Spanford, even as underwhelming as maybe he has been this year, still as that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh kind of tight end. I could still see him getting drafted on day three somewhere, pending the combine and the pro day and all that. But same question, just real quick, 30 seconds, Kane, same question. Gophers, you know, whether or not they declare for the draft is kind of remains to be seen, but whether they end up actually getting drafted or maybe just wind up on a roster as an undrafted free agent, kind of like Mo Ibrahim this past year as well. Who do you got kind of scouted or circled on the uh, roster as it stands today? For sure. I mean, I'm going to give some love to my guy, Brev, for sure. I think that his blocking is going to intrigue teams because, you know, you look at some of the blocking that guys like Kittle and whatnot do, and that'll intrigue teams. But there's always a coach out there that thinks, you know, I see the measurables and I can make this happen. But then you look at these last two games, 43 yards on some big grabs, 58 yards and touchdown today. If he keeps that trend, he could finish off with some nice stats. And I think that could help recoup some of that draft capital as you move forward. But one person that I absolutely think Maybe not this upcoming draft, but moving forward, that absolutely jumped out today again was Cody Lindenberg. I mean, that forced fumble yep. and the timing of it was huge. I believe he led the team in tackles. He flies around the field. He's fast. He's communicating with that entire defensive unit and the energy he brings. I mean, you can see his impact, whether he's in the play or not. I think he's definitely going to be on the radar for some of these guys. And someone future distant, future that 
continues to get looks when the scouts come to the fall camp and things like that. Anthony Smith, and he had that huge sack force fumble that if the Gophers recover right there at the end of the game, this thing's done. But unfortunately, an offensive lineman fell on top of it. But he's been getting more and more playtime throughout this season, more and more snaps. And it feels like he's always starting to deliver more and more. I called on the show this week him as my sleeper player, and I said he's getting a sack. I feel vindicated by that, and I think that he's going to continue to grow, and next year could be a huge year for him as a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, well done calling him out. And yeah, what a game, what a performance. His stock's certainly shooting up. All right, I got two quick ones before we close, but first, a quick word from Prize Picks. Today's postcast brought to us by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is without a doubt the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy because you can win up to 25 times your money this football season. And why I love it? is because it's so easy to play. All you got to do is select two or more players and pick either more or less than their projected stats on that given night. I have the app. I use it every week. And trust me when I say it's so easy to use this week. I took Van Jefferson over two and a half catches. Drake London's out for the Falcons tomorrow. And I took Jaron Hall over 12 and a half rushing yards because I think he's going to be doing a lot of scrambling tomorrow. Another reason why I love prize picks is because they offer the flex or the power play. Flex play means you still win if one of your pick misses. So essentially, it's insurance on your bet. I love that. Power play gets you higher payouts, but you have to hit all your picks. That's just one of a 100 reasons why I love prize picks, and I think it's the funnest way to play daily fantasy. Plus, prize picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all season long. And with Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. That means in any matchup, let's say one of your players gets hurt in the first half and doesn't return, that pick gets rebooted on your bet slip. And that makes Prize Picks the only daily fantasy platform around that offers you injury insurance to give you that extra peace of mind. Right now, go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's promo code college at prizepicks.com slash college for 100% bonus deposit match up to $100. Okay, Ron, two quick ones to close. Nine games in the book, just three to play. Gophers sitting at five and four. Purdue on the road coming up next. Purdue, they've kind of struggled a little bit this season as well. Then you finish at Ohio State Mm -hmm. and then Wisconsin at home for the Ax. So when you look at the remaining schedule, how they've played these last few weeks since the bye, how do you feel about this final stretch and just how far can they go? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Like After a loss like this, you just don't. And and this is a team. This is what's going to happen, honestly. This is what I feel like. This is a team, you know, nine games in, three games left, that will beat Purdue, they'll beat Wisconsin, and they'll probably play Ohio State close early like most teams do and lose to Ohio State. But we'll look back on that, you know, what is that, seven and five, and say this is a team that should easily, easily be nine and three. At seven and five, this is a team that easily should be nine and three. Nine and three heading into the Big Ten Championship to face the winner of Michigan and Ohio State. And so that's what this team does. Like it, it loses games like this and then turn like it, it lost to Northwestern and then eventually turn around and beat Iowa. And everybody's like, wait, what, why didn't we just beat Northwestern? Like it's, it's the consistency and PJ Fleck, you know, at the press conference, he said it's all he, he got to the podium, you know, for those that, that haven't seen it, you know, it'll be on Twitter, but he got to the, the podium and said, it's on me. This is on me. And so for him to own it on the, on, on the, on the podium, a lot of people's thoughts are, 
he has to make some serious decisions about this coaching staff. You know, when you think about who's the play caller, who's going to be this, who's going to be that, like, when were you your best? Who has the best interest at hand for this offense? What What is the going forward steps? Because you can't continue to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity, and that's that's kind of my thought. But down the stretch, I feel like there's a team that can do that. Like, they could lose to Purdue. They could beat Purdue. They could beat Ohio State. Probably won't. They could beat Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, or they could lose to Wisconsin. Like, this team could end up losing the next three and, and be five and se- uh, five and what is that? Five and seven. I mean, yeah. literally, yeah. and not go to a ball. And then we're really going to be pissed off. So there's so much, so many layers to this team um, that you see them win games and then you see them turn around. You, I mean, you see an Iowa game today versus Northwestern that neither quarterback threw for over 100 yards. Neither. 60 mm-hmm. whatever and 80 something yards. Both quarterbacks. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And we took Iowa down to the wire. Why? Really good defenses. Iowa has a good defense. But the Gophers' defense today, I don't, you can't tell me Illinois' offense is that good because they're not. You can't tell me their defense is that good because they're not. And so that's that's what's really frustrating about this team because one of my keys today was looking at Illinois' third down defense. They are the worst in the Big Ten. I said if the Gophers can gump, you know, match their level, which they've given up almost 47% on third down conversions. The Gophers had matched it and actually tried to convert. They'd had a chance today. Three. Mm. They converted three third downs today to the worst third down defense in the Big Ten. In the Big Freaking Ten, they are the worst third down defense at 47%, and they converted three. That's problematic. And that, that, that to me, has to be looked into. Yeah, well said, Ron. A lot of great points there. I can't wait to hear you break it more down on the Ron Johnson Show this week. Kane, I want to close with this because the 2024 schedule was released. Let me just rapid fire just some of the biggest games on here. You open Thursday, August 29th versus North Carolina for the second year in a row, this time with no Drake May, though. He's going to be a top three pick. Week four, it's Iowa at home for Floyd. Very next week, back to Ann Arbor for Michigan. Week six, USC at home. No Caleb Williams, though, number one overall pick most likely. Week seven, it's uh, at UCLA, who's been actually super solid this year. Then there's a nice little stretch that I found for my money with Maryland, Illinois, and Rutgers before you finish the year, Penn State at home, then at Wisconsin. Um, What was just your knee-jerk reaction when you saw the 2024 schedule coming out this week? Well, first off, is it a nice little stretch? Because we can't I seem don't know. to beat can't Illinois beat anymore. Them, so, I mean, but uh, when I looked at it, you know, it looks concerning when you first look at it. But then you take into account that a lot of our players, our key players, have been pretty young for this team. So hopefully you have a lot of returners next season. But then on top of that, you talked about a lot of change happening. Uh, Maryland is losing their quarterback they've had for the last three, four years. Drake May, like you said in that opening game, won't be there. He'll likely be in the NFL. Who knows what's behind him at this point. Uh, USC can't stop a nosebleed on defense right now. So I'm not sure what those look like. Now, some of those teams are still going to be adjusting to the life in the Big Ten. If you don't have defense in the Big Ten, it's going to be hard to keep up and play like plain and simple. So I, I'm curious to see how the adjustments go. I'm not saying those are auto wins, but I think there's a lot up in the air. And you talk about the Michigan game. It, you know, we saw what happened against Michigan this year, but also what's going to happen with Michigan? Is Harbaugh going to still be there? Is he going to be suspended? Are there going to be sanctions? What? Who knows what's going on with Michigan at this point in time too? So the only game that I look at and I'm like, man, they have a ton of young core. They've been winning games. They have a young quarterback and a young defense. Penn State is the biggest 
game on that schedule that I'm like, man, that's going to be a super tough game. But overall, I think that depending on what comes back with this core, depending on what happens with play calling or coaching changes or whatever, like you can't write the Gophers off, but there are going to be changes that need to be made and progress that needs to be made from these younger players stepping into the next season. Yeah, well said and great stuff as always. Big shout out to everyone who joined us in the chat. Much love for all the views and comments all show long. Gophers get punched in the gut by the Fighting Illini 27-26. They move to 5-4 and four on the season. Rest assured, we'll be breaking it all down all week right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota channel so you can make sure to like and subscribe. You can stay up to date with all of it. Kane Rob, Locked On Gophers host. Check out his deep dive and full reaction to the game coming out in the next few days, I'm sure. Ron Johnson, of course, Gophers legend and Hall of Famer. Check him out on the Ron Johnson Show each and every week. Gophers square up against Purdue next Saturday on the road in another 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time showdown. For Kane Rob, Ron Johnson, I'm Luke Inman. Row the boat, Sky Yuma. Catch the same time, same place next week. Until then, though, signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.